Hi, I'm Tom Thiel, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about the cybersecurity skills shortage, and it's my pleasure to be speaking with Lee Fisher. He's a security specialist in EMEA for Juniper Networks. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, not a problem. Thank you. Lee, for years now, we've heard constantly about this global cybersecurity skills shortage. But from your perspective, what actual impacts do you see in organizations? Actually, there are many. We see quite a few different uh, situations in uh, many different customers and, and organizations that we, we're talking to today. Um, they can, I can guess I could try and group them in, into certain buckets, though. Uh, there are certainly skills gaps in terms of implementation around not just the networking, but security products per se. You know, how do we get the most out of them? There are skill shortages in managing and maintaining. So, you know, how do you keep these things then up to date and how are they best optimized inside the business? And then they, those, both of those two, I would say, are really relative to a skill uh, shortage in understanding their adversary, you know, understanding how it is that they've actually got to fight cybercrime. What do they need to do? What requires protecting in their business? Where is it and who owns it? You know, it's very difficult for a small, often a very small part of the organization to have that breadth of visibility of the end-to-endness, if you like, of their, of their data, the data flows across their business, the relevance of that data inside their organization in terms of whether or not the business is using that in information for profit or it's driving, you know, processes, driving machinery even, you know. So it's very difficult for those people to first understand the role of their own information systems that they're dealing with, who owns them and where are they. And then, of course, you know, trying to think about the different types of defenses then relative to the, the way that they're, they've operationalized and used data and systems. So I think, you know, in many ways, you could put them into those different buckets. It's once you know more about your organization and what it is that you're doing with data and systems and how that drives profit uh, or, you know, makes your organization effectively more, more uh, approachable in terms of sales for customers, then, you know, the, the, the better. So the more visibility that you have in that space regarding what's actually happening for the business, then they're better to protect themselves. And again, as, as I say, it's very difficult because they're normally in a, a smaller part of the organization, you know, in terms of the IT is where they've generally come from. So it's whether or not they've got that visibility of what that system actually means for the business. It's very difficult. I'll finish on this, this, this last piece for you before I'm sure you will come back with a, a, a question. But it's, it's trying to figure out then what type of uh, uh, sort of solutions do you need to put in place? What types of systems are, are around you uh, that need protecting? And then how do you sort of look to identify that you're under potential attack? You know, what is what are those potential attacks that are happening inside the business? Can you do you understand the nature of those attacks and what they mean? Are you able to decipher what it is that you're seeing in log files, for example? And fundamentally, are you able to then take all of that? and put it into an iterative process where you can actually learn from it and improve the security posture of the business. So 
<laughs> a rather long answer for you uh, in the first opening question there, but it's not one area, unfortunately. There are many different things that I think as an industry we need to grapple uh, and, and actually, you know, sort of look to resolve over the next few years, because if we don't, then we're going to have these types of problems that we see today uh, magnified and multiplying across the globe. Lee, you've done a good job outlining some of the biggest gaps that are created by the skills shortage. My question is, how can we start to bridge some of these gaps by adopting automation, machine learning, analytics tools, some of the emerging and refining technologies? Well, I think the first step is, you know, looking at what, what they do in terms of the in information systems that they've got, because, you know, it's great to think that we can we can sort of help shorten these things. But it's it's, it's really a case of like. What can we do first and what are we doing actually already? What what can we automate as part of that? And then where appropriate, you know, where could we bring in more advanced means of defense and, and protection to leverage, you know, machines effectively to fight the threats that we're seeing? Because I think it's just worth just mentioning for the moment that most threats today aren't written by people. Most threats today are actually written by machines, for machines, and machines are the target. And that's the nature of what we're dealing with. So, you know, first of, first of all, are you collecting the appropriate information from your defense layers that you put in across your business? Do you have, then have a, an adequate view regarding the understanding of what's happening inside that? Are you connecting those pieces of information together so that, you know, you're not just looking at one piece of information, you're looking at several steps in a process, for example. You know, are you, are you relying on a number of different connected technologies to actually tell you, hey, there is an attack that actually you, you, it's been running inside your business already, and yet you can now start to leverage another layer of that defense to identify and understand that you know, other parts of the defense network weren't adequate enough. You know, that starts that analytical approach regarding looking at the data and understanding it, and then, of course, adapting. Now, automation could be added to many different parts of that process. You know, first of all, you know, collecting. Am I collecting that data? Well, what happens next? Well, you, you're then sort of organizing it and, and storing it so that effectively someone can then make sense of it. Well, then can we start to actually make some automated judgments based on the flow of that data coming into the business? You know, is there something that says, hey, we see this happening, so I should take uh, and undertake this change? And a great example of that, if you want to put it into real world uh, situations, let's just look at ransomware for the moment. Ransomware, for the most part, is not a sophisticated threat, but it's using a, an Achilles heel of the most of the security industry today as its weapon to be successful. And the Achilles heel is time. You know, most security solutions today require some form of update or knowledge about a given attack to be able to identify it and to stop it in its tracks. And because of that, the bad guys clearly know that that's the actual number one uh, sort of opportunity for them to exploit. So that if they can get their threat out there and distributed faster than you can update those systems, then they'll always win based on that model of security that we've got. So that's its Achilles heel. So let's just ransomware fall straight into that gap. 
like most malware today, it's the sheer weight of numbers of these things is gives them the opportunity to get ahead of your security model. That means that when it reaches an end user on a, on a PC, the, the defense systems don't know what it is and give it the green light. That means that the moment a user launches it, it can start to uh, undertake whatever it is that the cyber criminal wanted it to do. But here is where you know we can start to look at what's happening as a, as a consequence of events across the business so that we can start to actually see those as unlikely human activity rather than you know uh, legitimate work processes so it, this is something that you just cannot do with with five members of staff or a dozen members of staff because frankly there's just too much information so can you start to automate and simplify and identify the right pieces of information which give you insight around what's happening and give you the ability to then automate the next step where possible which is the action as a result of that type of information that you're seeing from those systems. So there's, there's a whole range of areas across the business where automation can be applied to, to the effect of improving security. Lee, beyond the tools, you're a proponent that we need a new approach to security as well. So how can we reshape the security models that we use so that they are, they're more behavior-based and not time-based? And once we do this, what difference will it make? Well, fundamentally, time-based security solutions, as I've just mentioned, have a big problem in that those systems need to be up to date. Well, let's just use an analogy of a policeman. If you apply the policeman's role in real life to how we look at computer security models, that would mean that the policeman sees who you are and says, well, you, I don't have you on a list of bad things. I don't have you in the list. So therefore, you can go about your business and do whatever you want. Well, that's not actually what happens in real life, is it? A policeman will act based on your behavior. And this is exactly the type of thing that needs to change in terms of secure computer security models. So it's, it's not so much about what something is. It's about what it does. And so that's really the change in emphasis that we're talking about. It's about giving you back fundamentally time because rather than you running around your organization, maintaining and updating systems pretty much for the sake of it, to be fair, because you know that's what you've got to do to keep ahead of the bad guy, you can actually take a different approach. The approach would be, well, what's normal inside my business? How can I determine what is normal? What, what can I do to model normality? And then start to use that as some form of digital signature, if you will, to help you identify that that pattern has changed and therefore act on that change automatically. The great thing about this uh, focus, though, is that the time you spend on modifying and enhancing the behavioral model is time you infinitely get back because you're not wasting time just maintaining and updating. What you're doing is you're improving. And that is a fundamental difference in those two models. So if I was just to try and simplify, you know, the net effect of those two models side by side, number one uh, is clearly the capability. We, we, we just simply cannot scale today to deal with the sheer volume of threats that we're seeing. Humans can't do that. And the second part of that is that we just don't have the time and uh, eyeballs uh, on these activities to be able to, uh, to understand what's happening. So this can actually improve your security by focusing on resolving those two key issues in one go.
Lee, how do these new tools and models actually change the types of skills that we now need in organizations? That's a good question in terms of trying to figure out where we're going in terms of the skills gaps. And, uh, you know, I think in the short term, you know, and I mean by that um, sort of, uh, I'd say the next couple of years out, then not so much. I think we're still going to be in that integration phase of change inside business. And that's going to very much require an agile mind as much as anything else in that sense. An understanding of the operations of the business and how, the, how it comes together from an end-to-end -to -end perspective. But as we go forwards, and I'd start certainly start to say that it is starting to appear now, but within five years will be absolutely prevalent across the industry, will be the uh, skill requirements around, you know, uh, understanding analytics and being data scientists and data analytic uh, approaches. Because I think it's that insight and those improvements that we're going to be looking at in the future that are going to, uh, you know, make our organizations more safe. Lee, final question for you. How is Juniper Networks helping organizations work more efficiently with their available resources? So we have a number of different solutions here that sort of add up to a what we would call our secure network platform. So first of all, there's Cyfort Technologies. Now, Cyfort is a recent acquisition by Juniper Networks. And what that does is that looks to help understand and simplify the picture of security for every organization. So it takes information from your existing security solutions and presents you with a much cleaner view of, of the things that you need to focus your time and efforts on. So it's summarizes and actually gives you facts around what is happening from known systems of defense that you've got deployed across your network. The next sort of solution that we have in place there is called Juniper Secure Analytics. Now, what that does is, is it instead of looking at known issues, it can do that, but also what it does is it looks at giving you behavioral capabilities. So much like as I was describing before, if you start to collect this information, what JSA can help you do from the collection of, you know, log files, network fingerprints, the way that your organization uh, acts with applications, when they use them and so on, you can build up a picture of normality and then create offenses for when normality is broken. So essentially, with those two technologies, you're very capable of seeing what and simplifying what is happening and giving you that consolidated view with Cypher. And JSL helps you say, helps you look at, well, this could be happening because the behavior isn't right. So it gives you that ability to allow your team to focus on that and then make rules based on the outcomes of that solution. So where do you create those rules? Well, that's done by Juniper's policy enforcer. So once you've got a, an understanding of what's happening from known systems and what could be happening from other systems, you can start and create rules that automate the, uh, responses to that, that activity across your business. And that's done by a policy enforcer. And the rest of the mix, of course, it then falls into the lap of our existing secure routing and network network technologies um, so that, you know, whether or not you want to apply changes on uh, a secure router, a firewall, a switch or whatever, you can do that. And that's done via across our platform breadth. I think what we try and advocate for customers, if I can summarize, is that it's about a change of mindset. Your network is your new security platform. And we think that the capability is there today to actually leverage the network in a way that's not been possible in the past.
Lee, very well said. Thank you so much for your time and insight today. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me. We've been talking about addressing the cybersecurity skills shortage, and I've been speaking with Lee Fisher. He's a security specialist for EMEA with Juniper Networks. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.